With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It is the Anfield Wrap, Neil Atkinson, uh, the day after the greatest day of our lives. Uh, here we are all together to talk about Liverpool beating Everton by one goal to nil. Uh, I just want to make it very, very clear. In 2018, I got married. Uh, it was boss. Uh, the greatest day of my life was yesterday. I have got with me Craig Hahn and Neil Jones, and I have got Adam Smith. The Anfield Wrap is in association with Reds Bet. Uh, 50% of their profits go to fan-related causes. If you do gamble, think about doing it with them, and if you don't, that's absolutely up to you. Um, anyway... Where to start? Uh, Craig Cannon, is it the funniest thing that's ever happened in football? <laughs> it's if, if you said to me before the derby, you said, right, you know, we had the Van Dyke one and that was, that was our new £75 million defender scoring in the last minute and that's brilliant. We had the Sadio Mane one, that was at Goodison after they, you heard the moans and the groans around the whole of Goodison from, from the board saying five minutes or whatever it was going up. Uh, but if you'd said to me that Pickford would jump up and he'd keep it in, it would hit the crossbar. Divock Origi would score all after we'd all moaned when Van Dijk had done that mad assist. It was it was poetry, Neil, and and it was happening while the blue flares, blue bluish purple flares had gone off. It's hard to find a blue flare. Is the one of the, my takeaways from recent Merseyside derbies? <laughs> well, yeah, no, yeah, that's 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 definitely true, and I'm I'm just glad that they they they, tr- they almost tried to wait until the end of the game this time instead of letting off the start because they're unsure whether they're going to score. That's what happened last time, remember? Yeah. Um, and and for them to actually think that as the ball was headed out. Right, lads, this is it. Let them off now. Happy days. We've got our draw. And then that to happen is just, it's its the best thing that's ever happened in football. And it might be the best moment of my life. It might be the best moment of my life as well. Uh, Adam Smith, it was, it really is. I mean, at some point, we're going to have to get beyond the comedy of the enterprise. At some point, we're going to have to do a grown-up show here about football. And we're going to have to make incisive and intelligent points about the game. That will have to happen at some stage, Adam. But I think we can just start by saying it was spectacular. It was possibly the best way you could ever win any football match. If if Mo Salah had gone round all 11 of their players and slotted it in the bottom corner, it would not have been as good as that. No, Craig's just said poetry, and I think that's that's what it was. It was it it, it was flawless. That does not. I think if, if before the game, if you say, "How do you want to win the derby?" There are there are God knows how many ways that you come up with. Maybe scoring a you know forty yard screamer or something like that. You, you don't necessarily think or you you might think of Mane because it was off the post and they were fuming about it but but every single aspect it was every single aspect it was like that you know that photo that did the rounds for a while of the street in Manchester where everyone's battered and there's people all over yeah. the show it, it was that it was that in football form everywhere you looked there was something great why are they letting off a flare to celebrate a nil-nil draw forget about the fact they hadn't got it why are they doing it in the first place you should be you know gutted because you, you, alright they played really well but it was nil-nil why are you letting off a flare for then you've got that 
unbelievable. The, um, what's his name on Twitter? I, I, apologies for the pronunciation, but it's like Vostrengio or whatever. The guy who does all of the um, uh, edits of things has put one on of it with the music from American Beauty of of it, you know, all in slow motion, and it's Oscar worthy. I swear to God, it should win the Oscar. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Check it out if you haven't seen it. It's brilliant, and you can see from the angle the ball's going out. It's going. He doesn't need to. T- the, it, 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 the, my favorite thing of all of it. Isn't the flair, isn't any of that. It's the fact that it plays into everything we say about Pickford, that his arms aren't long enough. It plays into that because he's, his arms aren't long enough to stop the ball in any meaningful way, but they're just the right length to keep it in play to let us score. It's, it is poetry. It's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was wonderful. Neil Jones is our designated grown-up for this show. Uh, he's obliged <laughs> to be given the fact that he has an actual job at goal. Uh, and does so brilliantly. Um, so let's 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 give Neil a fighting chance and say this: what made it all the better was it wasn't as though we'd been banging on the door for ninety minutes, creating chance after chance in a one-sided encounter where Liverpool were clearly the better team. What makes it all the better is Everton actually played really well. Yeah, yeah, they did. I mean, I think I think it's it'll now be overstated how well Everton played. They played well in the yeah, first half, particularly. Um, but yeah. You're talking about poetry and perfection. It was not for me. I've got to delete 700 words and start again, you know. But at least it's... At least, I mean, the story is, is remarkable because I'll give you a little insight. You know, I, I have to set up my article before the game. So there's all these sort of... I'm sure you'll know about keywords and SEO and all yeah. that stuff. And I always just think, well, OK, well, how will this game potentially pan out? Well, OK, Mane. I'll put Mane's name there. I'll put Van Dijk. I'll put whatever. <laughs> I didn't consider Divock Origi. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even know he was on the bench, to be honest. It was sort of... A, you know, you looked at Oh, he's bringing on Divock Origi, yeah, okay. And I actually like Divock Origi, and I know, I know like, a load of people will be saying that now. I put on Twitter last night, come on, who admitted, who moaned when, when Origi was brought on, and 10,000 people said, I didn't, I thought he was going to... No, you didn't, you didn't. No, no, nobody did. And especially when he misses the chance, you don't think he's going to get another one inside the six-yard box. But I actually think he's a good player, and I think I, I was saddened by the, the, the sort of demise that he suffered after 2017 onwards. And so it is just a it's a great story for, for me to write about. It's a great story for Liverpool fans to enjoy. Great for him. I spoke to him in the Nick Zone afterwards. He 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 wasn't he wasn't as um cock a hoop as you'd expect him to be, to be honest. He said Trent Alexander Arnold took that mantle and Alex Oxlade Chamberlain who came through. I, I, there's nothing wrong with his knee, I tell you Alex Chamberlain. <laughs> he, he, he came through he came through singing and dancing. Um so but it, it, it's just and the best summary I, I, I can give is uh, an Everton, an Everton fan of mine, a friend, he's good, good Everton fan, you know. But he sent back, "Do you ever wonder why we hate you?" That's what he said. That's what he said. You know, do you ever wonder why Everton hate Liverpool? He said because that can happen. And he said, and there was a lot of people in that way, and who still knew something like that was going to happen, even if even the ones letting off the flare probably thought it'll still come back and bite us and it does every single time it does every single time Adam I mean it is I thought that it was a game it was a game that was almost it was going to be defined by mischances it was going to be two hard luck stories I was thinking this is where we're going to end up here it's going to be two hard luck stories come the end of the match where we're ruining the the, the, the two points dropped uh, and also not beating Everton and Everton are ruining a really good opportunity to have won at Anfield because both sides did miss chances. It felt like the first goal was going to be crucial. Maybe that's why people were nervy. Massive chances as well, and I, I couldn't, I couldn't believe how open our defence looked at times, especially in that first half. There were there were huge opportunities that that we gave them, 
Um, and I completely agree with what Neil said. I think it's, I think it will be blown out, and as it has already been blown out of all proportion. How you know how much Everton deserved something out of the game? You know, in actual fact, I think if all chances had been scored, we'd still have won something like four two or five two or something. So I, I don't think it's totally fair to say you know oh what a hard luck story for Everton. Um, but yeah, it it. it, it I mean, it, it felt like the sort of game where the first goal might make the difference. Even even before a ball was kicked, it felt like if we got an early goal, then they'd sort of be like, oh, well, typical, you know, Liverpool are going to steamroll us as usual, blah, blah, blah. Um, and we, uh, yeah, as I said, I was annoyed with how many chances we gave them in the first half, but but equally, we still could have gone in 3-1 up at half time. So, you know. It's Neil, the first 15 minutes, I think there's, there's, there's a passage of play there from about five to about 15 when... Pickford um, slices a clearance. Twice. Where, yeah, the, the, the second one almost ends Liverpool's dominance in an odd way, in that you almost felt as though, if I say they got complacent, it would be an insult to hardworking professionals, but it had been so straightforward for them to get at Everton yeah. that they stopped doing a lot of what they were doing really, really well, and I think they just thought, it's just going to come here in a minute, and that actually allowed Everton to, to flip it around. But that first 15 minutes, Liverpool should score three goals. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, again, you, you, you're thinking about sort of patterns that are emerging during the game and for the first 15 minutes I was thinking this could be the day when you go this is the return of the the high press and the high energy Liverpool and it wasn't really in the end I, th- I thought Firmino burst the bubble of Liverpool by having a sort of a five minute spell where he looked like he was a competition winner and he was just passing the ball straight to Everton in the middle of the pitch and you know they've got they've got better footballers than they've had for certainly two or three four or five years in in the middle of the park, especially with people like Andre Gomez and Lucas Dean, a left back who I thought was their best player. Or oh, those two were their best players. Um but yeah they just the other thing about Liverpool they, as much as when they're getting in behind it's great, but when Salah plays up there and Firmino plays in behind, the ball comes back too quickly. You know, if you don't put it in behind, then you're sort of gonna lose it because Salah you don't want him. You don't want him holding the ball up with a six foot three centre half behind him. He can he can do it occasionally, but you don't want to generally be doing that. I think Everton got a chance. I think their biggest chance came from Salah. Yep. Um, not being able to hold the ball up and Everton just ran straight through the middle. So it was um, it was a strange one. It was a, a big ebb and flow. And I thought the second half, you know, I'm sure you've had debates, debates, debates. I'm sure in the comments section about sideways passing and things like that. You see, I think I think against Watford and I think against Everton, you see the benefits of sideways passing because it's it's like a vice and it just it just kept in and it was only in sort of the last 10, 15 minutes that Liverpool really looked like they were gonna they were gonna hem Everton in. Before that, they were quite comfortable, but I think um, I think <laughs> it was the it was probably a fair result. A draw would have been, in my opinion, over the over the ninety. But well. There, I'm dead interested about the shape, Neil. I'll come back to you on that. You mentioned there about losing the ball up front. The manager talks, and, and Guardiola last two seasons ago talked about not defending well when they're not attacking well. Yeah. And you know, it's fair to say the second goal, for instance, from Paris Saint Germain. It's Paris Saint Germain comes from Salah and Firmino. Yeah. Giving it away sloppily, and it, and the, 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 I mean everyone's out of position. Don't get me wrong, but that's where it actually stems from. That and one of the reasons why everyone's out of position is because they don't think they're going to give it away sloppily. Yeah. Um. The shape yesterday, because I thought Fabinho for the first sort of 50, 55 minutes, I thought he was excellent. I think he massively tires and, and, and that's fine. That, that was going to happen because he hasn't had enough first team footy. 
But what occurred to me was I was thinking, yeah, Fabinho's played really well. We've got this excellent back four. But what you said before is they just kept getting at us. Yeah. They kept getting at us and getting at us. And that was whilst I thought that, you know, Fabinho was our best player in that yeah. period. It's a really, it shows how hard it is, I think, to play that role for Liverpool because of everything else that's going on on the pitch. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. And I mean, riffing on another sort of angle as well is, do you think do you think it's really hard to play in midfield in modern football? Because I don't yes, I, if I you do. if you said to me who's got midfield lockdown, probably City City have, but if you took Fernandinho out, I don't think City would be half as capable. Who's got who's got great midfield in the, in the Premier League? Arsenal certainly haven't. They're, they're all raving off this Torreira and Ganduzi, but you'll see them exposed when they play against top top opposition. Tottenham, we've got Eric Dyer plays in midfield. He's rubbish. Yeah, well, yeah, that's that your words, but he's not He's not elite, Eric Dyer. Chelsea, you know, we saw last week a big debate about Jorginho can't play in that holding role, he's too slow, got burnt off by Son. Man United, you know, yep. well, we don't need to say anything about Man United. So, Massage is a wardrobe. Yeah, where's. Where's where's this um, these amazing midfields that Liverpool should be aspiring to? Maybe it's just a case of you do need a, you do need a little bit of the sort of the bits and pieces players and the players who can just what's the what's the, the carry the piano you know and, and and allow the others. But I think Liverpool's bigger problem personally for me is that the guys who are supposed to play play the piano aren't doing it quite as well as they uh, they have been in recent years. I think Adam, there's something in, and I think Everton did it well yesterday, uh, second half especially when they just put. Um, they just put Richarlison and Sigurdsson um, in front of the midfielders, between the midfielders and the centre-backs. And they just stopped, basically said, you can't pass now. We're not letting you pass there. And then there's a big, complicated conversation to have about passing lanes, which is uh, which is part of this midfield conversation in general for all clubs, which is sides are now really, really good, really well-built to stop you doing what you want to do to stop you playing, to try to trap you into giving it away cheaply. And I think you saw that yesterday with Everton. You know, at times, one of the reasons why Liverpool maybe do go sideways a bit more than people might like, I think, is because if you look up and you know they're good on the counter, they're a good side, and you've got to pass that a bit 50-50, you choose not to play it. And I think there's a lot of teams who are really, really well set up at just laying those little traps, which Liverpool at the moment aren't playing into, but at times it makes them look a little bit conservative. Yes, and I think that the the thing about... Um, as you say, putting Richarlison and Sigurdsson there, the it, it it sort of reminds you of that old Benitez quote about the the blanket, doesn't it, or the duvet, whatever it was. He said where that that was fine, and they stopped us doing anything. But then they didn't have anything because the, they they were the players who were supposed to be playing the most further forward for them. Yeah. So you you can't the the, the mid midfield at the moment in in, in the Premier League. It's, it's it's difficult to find the balance between the attack and the defence and and actually hold in the middle of the park. And they were able to stop our passing lanes and shut us down and stop us from being as dangerous as we have been in the future. But in order to do that, they had to sacrifice having a tooth. So they, they just became completely toothless when they tried, when they did try to break because they had nobody who could then get forward as fast as uh, fast enough to get past our defenders. Um, and it, it's, it's interesting that this is happening now. The only thing I would say, well, I completely agree with everything you've said about not taking the dangerous passes and all that sort of stuff. I, I do think it's interesting that it's happening at a time when we're playing Firmino deeper 
and therefore everybody's a little bit not quite in the position that we were used to seeing them last season where we would hit them, you know, we put them in behind the space and all that and let let Salah and Mane on either side run into it because everything's shifted at the moment because of that and Firmino's playing a little bit deeper. The, 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 it's also, there, isn't, there aren't as many options for the pass because whereas previously Firmino would be right up front and you'd maybe hit it to him and he'd hold it and then give it off either side. Now he's deeper so you can't even hit him necessarily because he's already sort of right next to you if you see what I mean. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that is interesting that, that that's in the mix in there. But, but they, 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 you know, Everton worked really hard and they, they obviously came with a plan they've been working on it all week that and you know although as I say I, you know I think if, if we'd have taken our chances we still could have scored four or five that they, they did what they wanted to do in terms of frustrating us and stopping us from being able to hit them uh, too much whilst also offering the threat of the counter to mean that we thought right well let's just play it safer now and see what will open up it's Craig it, it isn't at the minute quite, you know, every now and again, that first 15 minutes is a really good example. You're waiting for Liverpool just to just to take flight. You're waiting for Liverpool just 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 to set fire to a pitch at some point. And maybe, just maybe, if Liverpool do get the first goal and even go on and get the second goal in a game like that, then it would open up because it means that Everton can't just have this idea of, or any side can't have this idea of, how to stop them? We score three against Watford, for instance. When we get the first, we go on and we score three. I think that that might be a thing, but... We've got to allow for the fact that sides are, are basically not just Everton, and this isn't me doing, doing a, a laugh at Everton thing because God knows there's enough ways to do that at the minute. Um, but what there is is it, it, sides are treating Liverpool like a cup final. They are treating Liverpool like this is the hardest game of the season. So how do we get through it? How do we survive? Yeah, and that's that's credit to what Liverpool have been doing this season. And everyone keeps saying that tired sentence of when Liverpool click, when Liverpool click, when Liverpool click. But actually. You see what sides are having to do. They're coming to Anfield just to survive, and and I thought Everton like that's you know that's as good as I've seen Everton uh, at Anfield for a few years now. Um, but there were little moments throughout that game that would have changed the game completely. And you know you look at the Shakiri chance, you look at the two Mane chances, and I suppose you can say it the other way as well that uh, Allison makes a couple of good saves, the one off the line. So there was those little moments that that would have sort of changed the game and turned it a certain way, but. Um, you know, you know that's three times now in the last sort of two years that Liverpool have done that to Everton, and that's going to be in their heads from now on, isn't it? Every single time they come to Liverpool, the fans come to Liverpool, they're going to be they're going to be thinking, "Gobble!" You know, they've done this to us right at the end, right at the death, three times now in in two years or whatever. So, and I think that that's I think that's feeding into teams around the around the league as well. If you look at um, you know the Watford game, for example, like. The first half, everyone was saying, well, look, Liverpool, you know, they weren't really at it first half and Watford were the better side and all of that. But, you know, Liverpool got into half time. They were happy with the nil-nil because they knew that if they just keep going, keep sort of, um, you know, moving forward, that they would get the win uh, eventually. And we've did. And, and we're now doing that thing where, you know, throughout my lifetime watching teams like United win leagues, they win games like that where you're thinking, ah, you know, it's going to be a draw here. Happy days. They're about to lose points. And then, and then they score right at the end out of, you know, the, the, the maddest of, of opportunities. But they do that and, and they find a way to win. And that's always been something that's frustrated me of, um, you know, our, our rivals and, and the teams that are above us on the table that they're able to do that. And, and now Liverpool are doing that. Um, Chances missed first half the night, and let's go back to them. Uh, Liverpool across the course of the game have 13 shots off target, only three on target, which I think tells that story. And the chances that are missed, I'll, I'll include Manny, even though it wasn't a first half chance. It was a, it, it wasn't a first half chance. No, it wasn't. It was a second half chance early in the second half. Um, there is a that 
there is a thing, uh, John Gibbons actually pointed it out, that there's lots of positives to playing players on the wrong side. Um, there's lots of positives to playing players on the wrong side, but at times it does mean that when you get in like we did, it means that the, it's very difficult for them to get the ball on the foot they actually want to finish with. I think Mane and Shakiri are both two really good examples of where they just couldn't get the ball where they wanted it to in order to be able to slot it cleanly. Yeah, the Shakiri one I, th- I found really interesting because when you, when you watch the replay, he's actually got a shot on his left <coughs> yeah. foot, but he it's almost like he wants it further forward. Almost, I, I, I think it? I think he tried to do him. I think he tried to go oh, given I'm going to slot it with my left foot, and then I'm, and then I'm not. But he he let it run too far onto his right. I yeah, thought. I think that's I think that's probably spot on. Like, mm-hmm. And and that so I was really interested in because I, I completely agree with with what John was saying. I listened to the the post show or whatever it's called now um, afterwards <laughs> yesterday, um, and and. and I thought, yeah, that's right. Actually, you know, you do you gain something from having players on the wrong foot, but you also lose something. But then, when I watched the replay, I thought, but he could still hit it on his left foot, and he doesn't. He chooses not to. I think Neil's probably right. He's maybe trying to give him the eyes, or maybe confuse Pitfield a little bit. Um, but and it doesn't quite work. And then the Mane one does also. I've only seen the replay this one, so I might be totally wrong. But it, it looks like he's also got a pass. It looks like Salah's in the middle of the goal, wide open, that you could just play it over to him. I know in the in the you know at the, at the speed they're playing at, he might not see it like, but. Um, and he doesn't. So, so it's 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 constantly. It's like with anything, isn't it? With this with this Liverpool team, it's a constant balancing act. Which one matters more? Which one is it better to have them coming in on the wrong foot and being able to to cause damage because of what they're doing, or is it better to have them on the stronger foot for the hope that they get into that situation? And the fact they're both scoring goals relatively regularly means that it, you know it's 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 probably working out better the way it is. Uh, we we have for the first time for the first time I think. Possibly even just under Klopp. We had ten minutes of swap sides yesterday, yeah. which was dead interesting. Neil for ten minutes, Mali went right and and, Sh- and Shakiri went left. It's the first time I, I can remember seeing it really, where it, where it yeah. happens casually in a game. But he did, he did. So that either they sorted out themselves. I mean, let's be honest about this. Van Dijk decided he was playing number ten for five minutes. <laughs> uh, but I suspect it was. I suspect it was the manager because they, they for ten minutes they did they did swap sides and have a different go at Everton. Yeah, yeah, they did, and. Um... There's a few things that happened yesterday that were a bit unusual. He took Salah off when it, when it was nil-nil, you know, and I, I I do have a bit of a theory that I think there's a bit of politics at play sometimes when Salah gets left on in the sense that he doesn't want to he doesn't want to rock the boat particularly with him. I think I think he might have a bit of a, you know, maybe his his camp have a bit of a, a sort of a a god a, a god um, sort of yeah complex if you like, and they do they want to you know. They they see him as 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 being there compared to compared to where other players are. But he took him off. He took Firmino off, who's his main man. You know, regardless of how poorly he's playing, I, I don't. I could I could have asked Klopp about it yesterday. And I'm I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have he wouldn't have thrown Firmino under the bus. He'd have said he did this and this and this. You know, he, he rates him highly, but he took him off. Um, he brought he didn't bring Milner on in a, in a derby match. You know, you'd have thought. Absolutely nailed on substitution in the second half of Derby when it's getting attritional and tight. Didn't do that, so he showed that he was he was ready to to do what it takes. Origi's a bold substitution, regardless of you know the fact that he's a striker. It's it's a massive risk if you're gonna if you're gonna die in a Derby and you're gonna die with someone who hasn't played the league game since the opening day of last season. It's a, it's a big call to make, and you know he was he was. Um, he was trying a lot of things. It wasn't always working. Liverpool went, as I said, went great for probably seventy-five minutes of the game. But yeah, it was an interesting. I mean, you talk about switching the sides, but there was a chance Mane had where the only way 
it happens is if you're playing on the wrong side where Salah yeah. rolls it into him and he, he tries to slot it from the edge of the box, I think you get more positives than negatives out of playing on the other side because the last thing really that you want, especially when you've got your full-backs are both naturally byline sort of you know runners and crosses, you don't want you don't want four players all all going for the same you know the same area. You don't want you don't want you want someone who comes inside and creates the space for the fullback to overlap. And Liverpool get that with Shaqiri or Salah on the right and with Mane on the left. The one the one thing I would say is I genuinely do think that Mane is the hardest one to replace out of all of those those three because because I don't see anyone who wants to play on the left hand side for Liverpool. Anyone whether it's Origi, whether it's Sturridge, Firmino, Salah. Shikiri. None of them want to play on that left hand side. So Mane is pretty much Liverpool's only left left winger. Um Mane I thought was 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 the likeliest throughout the way through the game, Craig. Um is I want to talk about energy levels in a minute, but his energy doesn't dip. It just it I think it's remarkable. You know, you think about the amount of football he's played this calendar year. Back earlier in the the back end of last season, when other people were being rested and rotated, Marnie wasn't. Marnie was just there; he was present all the time. And I thought you saw yesterday. You know, he he takes Firmino off, he takes Salah off, he keeps Mane on the pitch, and Mane is just looks the likeliest at all times. Yeah, he does. He had a couple of chances, didn't he? And I thought that throughout he was definitely the liveliest. It's funny what that goal does to the narrative around the game because you know when Origi comes on uh, and and when Salah goes off. I think whenever Salah goes off, Everton get like a five-minute spell where they think, oh, Salah's off here, happy days. And I think that's happened a few times. I think when Origi's coming on for us, you're thinking, it's almost smacks of de- desperation a little bit. If this, if 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 the match ends nil-nil, we're all saying that was a desperate substitution, bringing Origi on a field, field out in his low move. Um, and that's that was almost like the last roll of a dice. And um, But yeah, Manny, I, I, thought, I thought Manny played really well. And I thought that... Um, I think what Neil says is right. It's down that left hand side that you don't see other players do what he's able to do and, and, and he didn't fade at all. He didn't fade, um, Craig. Are you worried? Are you concerned? It's off the back of a really hectic game against Paris Saint Germain. Um, you know, where I think Liverpool put, had to put a lot in to Paris Saint Germain to get beat 2 1. I think they had to put a lot in not to get beaten more than 2 1, if you know what I mean. And then to try to get a bridgehead in the game and go from there. But are, where are you worried, um, at the, the idea that there was four, five, six of them who, to me, just looked so tired. And when you've got the run of games we've got coming up, you know, it does it, it does concern me. I mean, I'd be doing something quite dramatic for Burnley. Yeah, I was worried. But then I think that when Klopp's planning these games, and he will look at these games in blocks, I think he'll be looking at this and thinking, right, once you get past this week of um, of Watford PSG and, and the Derby, do those and then he's going to have to rotate it from now on because we saw he changed what five players on average every game last season he rotated more than any other manager we're going to see that over the Christmas period and he was able to do it really effectively last Christmas as well with the run we were unbeaten uh, but there was constant changes and you know I remember last year the derby he changes Slanky yeah. brings Slanky in and, and, and drops Firmino and we're all saying you know why is he doing that we're fuming that he's done it in a derby so this time he's gone with those three he's gone with he's gone with his tried and trusted throughout the team and I think now he's going to have to start the rotation I think we're going to see I think we're going to see that heavily and it'll start at Burnley uh, I thought that talking about energy levels Adam let's accentuate the positive 
positive first and foremost. I think that Wijnaldum's second half is, is tremendous under the circumstances. I think he's got a lot of footballers to carry in there. It's interesting, again, when he changes the shape, he goes 4-3-3. He puts Wijnaldum in the middle and has Fabinho ahead of him when you would sort of think it would be the other way around. But I think at that point, he's he's worrying about legs and he, 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 he he's able to rely on Wijnaldum's ability to get around the pitch right the way for 90 minutes. I thought that, you know, it, the quality wasn't always there, but the sheer lung-busting energy was... Yes, I mean, the, one of the criticisms that people have made about Liverpool's midfield recently when, when he's chosen Wijnaldum, Milner and Henderson is that it's too samey. And, and, but that's one good quality that he shares with Milner and Henderson is that, that, that all three of them just run and run and run and run. And that's what they, you know, that's one of their, their major attributes. I, I think I find Wijnaldum fascinating because I thought he was dreadful against uh, Paris Saint-Germain. I thought he was really poor. But he's not the sort of player that will go through like a a, a prolonged dip in four. He, he can he can change from one game to the next. And now whether that's to do with the role, whether that's to do with how the opposition treats him, whether that's to do with you know something else, I don't know. But it's it's really interesting that he doesn't because a lot of people said when when the team was announced, if you're going on merit, Wijnaldum probably doesn't deserve to be in the team if it was a meritocracy, you know, it, because of his PSG performance, and yet. And and he wasn't great in the first half, but then he plays himself into form almost in the in the second, um, and is very very impressive. And is and is sort of just he's just everywhere. He was just everywhere and really caught, doing to Everton what they were sort of trying to do to us of shutting off all the lanes and 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 shutting over and covering people and and all that sort of thing. Uh, and it, it, yeah, he was really good in the second half. Um, it's a big game, I think, for Fabinho um, in that it's not going to get. In a lot of senses, it's not going to get harder than that. You know, we struggled at Arsenal, um, and you got the impression that he's he's he's, he's almost certainly wants to take back. I think about it. I do think that there is Neil. I can't quite work out how the manager manages him from this point because I think it's very important to I think keep playing him as much as possible because I think that the the, yeah. the one thing he may well just be lacking is the ability to get through ninety minutes, and he's not going to get that through training. Yeah. He is going to I think need to get more time on the pitch. Yeah, I was amazed he didn't play in Paris because I'd have thought. He's played there. He's he's probably had good results there. Monaco probably good performances. Knows that atmosphere. Knows those players he's playing against. I would have, I would have bet good money on Fabinho being in that team on on Wednesday night. Um, didn't even get off the bench did he? No, nope. didn't even come on. Um, but yeah, I said before the game. Actually, I tweeted out it's a big game for him because I think I think just just to reassure fans as well a little bit. You know, there's there's, there's less. Um, if he if he hasn't. If he has a, a wobbly derby and he's sort of, you know, he, he's booked and has to be taken off because he's going to get sent off or he gives gives away possession for goals or chances or whatever, I think it sticks in people's minds longer than it would if it was just a, you know, a, a waffled away or something like that. So it was important that he came through it. I thought, I still think he's got this, this balance issue with him. I think he needs to play in a different system to what Klopp would ideally play at this moment in time. I think he needs to play in that double, that double six if you like position yeah. and I am quite intrigued I want to see him play with Henderson there because I think it'd be quite nice to have two players who are, who are determined and committed to playing in that role but with different qualities and obviously Fabinho's a tackle-head and you know strong in one, one-on-one duels Henderson's a, a bit of a he's, a he's a mover of the ball isn't he and someone who's got a bit of range on him I don't I know I don't see Juan Alden pinging out long diagonals and that kind of thing and it might just give Henderson a bit more time because I think that's when that's when you see Henderson's weaknesses is when he's he's rushed and he just 
gets rid of the ball a bit too easily and he looks forward too, too early. I think it'd be nice to see if he's got a bit more security alongside him and someone who's going to That's win what I do with Burnley. And give, him it, and give him it. I'd like to see that. But then you say that and then you go, well, OK, well, where do you fit Naby Keita in? Who, who's £50 million player? At the end of the day, at some point, Naby Keita's got to be in the Liverpool team. So, you know, whether it works or it doesn't, he's going to have to get a chance because it'd just be weird if he didn't. Then you've got Shaqiri, who's doing doing well. And then, so if he plays, yeah, you're going to leave one of the front three out or are you going to change the system? You've got James Milner, who, who is so reliable and such a, such a good option. But does this solve his energy problems? Because I think I think it is fair to say Liverpool, 55 to 70, even to 75, maybe 60 to 75. But it is fair to say that Everton looked sharper. I thought Liverpool finished yeah. the first half sharper. But yeah. there was 15 minutes in that second half where Everton looked first to everything. And Liverpool looked like they'd just gone, you know what, we're just going to have to let you have it for a while yeah. because we can't get back in. So maybe he does need to make quite grand moves, as Craig's saying now. Constantly refresh it because yeah. that's where I think the energy is the most important for him in the middle of the park. Yeah, possibly. But do you think there's also an element that Liverpool have got so much more trust in themselves that, you know, you can have the ball there. You won't hit us. You 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 know you won't you won't hit us on the chin. You, you'll you'll look a little bit lively. Look, we'll make a run. Ben Hard will have a shot, but they didn't. They, Evan didn't look like they were going to score at, at any point in that second half for me. They they played well and they moved the ball well and they kept it you know quite nicely in some tight areas, but they didn't look like they had a punch in them in the second half. And I think I, I genuinely think Liverpool are getting into this this mode where they're going. We'll have a, it'll come. Our moment will come. So. If it if it doesn't if we have a ten minute rocky spell we'll just we'll just ride it out and in the end watch it'll it'll come and Watford was the same you know they were terrible for forty minutes but I didn't ever get the impression that they were thinking we were terrible I think they were just thinking there's only forty minutes gone there's, there's ninety in the game and maybe maybe that's that's an extreme version of it yesterday where you get into the ninety sixth minute of it but, but I, I do think Liverpool have got such security with the with the the defensive line and the, obviously the goalkeeper now behind that. I think that they do just think it's okay. It's it's okay to not be okay in a game for for a couple of minutes, and you know it'll it'll come back to us. And more often than not, this season it has. Even against Paris Saint Germain, you know it's, they were they were so poor for what was it, thirty seven minutes, and then they were. They were comfortable, really, in the game. You know, largely, I thought they, they were they were comfortable in possession. They didn't look like they were gonna they were gonna really really suffer. But they just left themselves too much to do on that occasion. Most of the time this season, they've they've not left themselves too much to do, and they've been able to to ride it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, totally by surprise then. This is the problem not being able to see you. It is. Um, I mean, it is. It is. You know, Adam. It is worth worth saying on that score. You know, the idea of have they left themselves too much to do? Do they leave themselves too much to do? That it is an extreme version. But there is a flip side, which is they are playing with the assurance of a side who have played fourteen, one eleven, drawn three. And that is, you know, that that's a level of assurance we've we've never been able to have in the Premier League. We've never started a season this well, and I do think that that is that that could well be playing a part into Liverpool at times. Arguably, possibly being too patient. You know, there is such a thing as yeah. being too patient, but they are they are showing constant patience, and they are backing themselves to find a way through matches. Albeit, let's be honest about this, we didn't probably plan for Jordan Pickford keeping it in and Origi not in it for two yards. Also, there's, there's a big thing with, with mine, Alden, isn't there? That I get what people moan about. Henderson's the same. They don't shoot from the edge of the box, do they? Yeah. No, none of that. None of their midfielders really will 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 pull the trigger. And there's there was times yesterday in front of the cop where I thought, why not go on? Just 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 have a go. And he he, he checked back. I think even Sturridge did one where he should have let it go on his right foot. and He didn't. But it's good. It's actually good play because you could you know 
for all the times that you score one of those and Sturridge we saw him score one at Chelsea million other times where you just surrender a little bit of the initiative by hitting God one kicks the worst thing in footy yeah yeah you know hitting one over the bar putting it into Pickford's arm so he can just fall on it and lie in the lie in his box for a minute and a half you know it, the, that patience I think it's what Liverpool fans have been calling for for years game management and being able to 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 win skin the cat different ways Liverpool are able to do it at the moment no doubt it's, it's goal kicks are the worst thing in football you, get, you <laughs> surrender a goal kick the, the, the lad can decide he's going to take a minute over it you've got to go through that they get set it all starts again If honestly just never ever ever can, if you wanted to put pressure on a side never concede a goal kick you're right because it's like that was just turning the screw the one you're talking about the Sturridge one and the Wijnaldum one both times they go out to Trent or they go out to Manny or Robertson and, and from that there's a chance created or there's a corner and that's that's how it is it's, it's, it's turning the screw um, and yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, there is in this, Craig. This is the this is very much. A, we'll come on to the goalkeeper in a sec, but the, it's a manager's three points. Um, in that it's three subs. Each of the subs, as Neil said before, the big calls. The manager's got a lot of managing to do. I think he's a, he's he's a coach who very much sees himself as he does his prep. They work very hard on the training grounds. That it's it's a lot of it's all done in the summer, and he, he works it through, and he knows what he's about. But he has got a period now where he's got to actively be a football manager. He's got to he's got to pick teams. He's got to pick teams with with big changes within games. He's going to have to make big subs. It's we've seen in the past. He can go on a little run. The gaffer of of getting it right a lot back to back. I remember the run at the back end of the season that ends up in the Europa League final where he made a lot of changes and he was making a lot, doing a lot from the bench and it was coming off for him. He, we could do with him hitting that sort of form now because because as you said before, the games are taking fast. Yeah, and there was times last season where we were kind of bemoaning the subs and and you know we weren't seeing enough from the subs uh, and the changes that he was making throughout the game. Um, and yeah, it's you know there's there's been a few big ones. You know the the Firmino one, like we're out of the Champions League now. If if uh, Firmino doesn't score that in the PSG game, he come on off the bench. Um, and and you know I don't <laughs> how you can account for Divock Origi being being that one. Um, and I just want, I wonder what I wonder where Origi's um, career goes and where, where, how much we see of him over Christmas because I play with Burnley. <laughs> no, I want to play with Burnley. Would you? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'll do you my Burnley team if you want. Go on then. Uh, my Burnley team is Henderson with the midfield. I, at the back, I play Moreno. Uh, I play Trent. I play Lovren, and I play um, I play Van Dijk. Uh, the goalkeeper, I pick the goalkeeper, and I pick Henderson and Fabinho centre mid, and I play Shakiri off the off the right, Mane off the left, and I play Origi in storage, and I just go four four two with Burnley and say this is what we're gonna do. Genuinely, I play, I play with Burnley, and I give I give the other two the game off, and then I'd probably look to play Kaiser at Bournemouth. If you'd have told me two years ago that you were picking a team under Klopp with Origi and Sturridge up top together, after all those good times they had, I, I wouldn't believe you. I honestly wouldn't believe you. I, 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 honestly, I, that's what I'd take to Burnley, because I think he's got to freshen it. I think he's got to freshen it. I think he's got to be quite dramatic. I think he does need to be making sort of five, six changes to get through Burnley, because then Bournemouth won't be easy away from home on a Saturday morning. And then he's got Napoli, and then he's got Manchester United. I, I think he's got to be quite bold, Adam. I think he's got to be... You know, and I think that you can't you can strike while the iron's hot on Origi. Uh, you know, he's got that goal that should give him a huge amount of confidence. He's got Daniel Sturridge knocking about. If you don't play these lads against Burnley away in this sort of run of fixtures, then what actually is the purpose of them? I think that would help Sturridge as well because I I, I don't think I don't think Sturridge works in this system 
that we you know the sort of standard system that we play if you like when he when he puts when he just sort of essentially swaps him for Firmino full stop I I just don't think he really works I think he can score a couple of blinders like he did uh, at Chelsea and things but I don't think it works actually for the shape of the whole team whereas with somebody else up alongside him especially somebody like Origi who's maybe going to do the running for him I think there's much more chance that you, you see the best of Sturridge in that um, and yeah, I, I, yeah, Arigi, um I think I, I, I'll hold my hands up and say I was one of those people that sort of have said recently, uh, you know, why is he even still here? Like, what's what's the point in him? Um, and and I would love it if he could come back because he was brilliant in that fifteen sixteen season. He, he was brilliant. Was it fifteen sixteen? Yeah, it was, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Um, he was. You know, he he really was great under Klopp. Uh, and then he just because of the Funes Mori thing, he just seemed to. Have just lost his confidence, lost his everything. But then yesterday he came on, and that where he where he just tore the arse out of the fellow. He was running down the way, just left him for dead down the side. He showed he's, he showed he's still got pace, he's got power, he's got uh, and and his movement was great. He was the only one really who was alive to that um, to the to the fact that Pickford's arms aren't long enough. He was there for it, and he was you know he was he was actually a, a little bit unlucky with that other one that hit the bar uh, because it was a bit of a tricky chance. Um, and so I, I'd be delighted to be completely wrong on him. I'd, I'd, I'd love him to come back in and, and, and really be a, an option because because I think that's the one area. The final third is the one area where we're we're so dependent on the Firmino, Mane, uh, Salah triumvirate that we that we've sort of seen recently that when one of them has a bit of a dip in form, or you know, is being used in a different way like Firmino has how much we seem to struggle because we're a bit like, well, if the three of them aren't doing it, then what what, what are we going to do? So him being able to come in and actually give us a genuine option, if he can do that, if it's not just a flash in the pan, that'd be great. Yeah, I, th- I think the, the partnership for Sturridge is cater. I think that's that's, mm. that's the that's the key to Sturridge if he's playing. So I, if you're asking, you haven't asked, but I'm going to say go on. <laughs> you're asking my team, it would be Lovren, because I'm pretty sure that's why he's left out of the squad. Uh, you know, unless he's got ill again, which he, he does have a tendency to need some calpol uh, yeah, that lad. Some back, some bacteria in that Hope Street Hotel. I tell you that he's 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 dealing with. Um, but yeah, so I, I would go Trent, maybe Gomez actually instead of Trent because of the way Burnley play with diagonals and stuff like that. Maybe Gomez might be better at right back. Still, you know, put a pin in that one to be honest. Whichever one you want. I would play Robertson still because I think I don't. He's one of them that you're talking about energy. I don't see any dip in, in Robertson's energy. The only fear is if he gets injured, but that could happen at home or or in training. I would play Fabinho and Henderson, and then Cater as a sort of semi number ten, but you know an advanced central midfielder. And then I'd play the front the front three with Sturridge and Firmino. So I'd play Mane, Salah, and and Sturridge. I I I can see that, and I'm not. I, but I just sort of think if he's Burnley aren't in great shape, and I think if he is going to go, you know, I, th- I think there might be a, a real case to, to try to get a couple of them. Yeah, a, a bit They've more done well aggressive. together as a partnership. Origi and Sturridge. I remember them scoring four or five at Southampton. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I wouldn't have a problem. Um, I wouldn't have a, if you're going to then start for Bino at Bournemouth, for instance. I wouldn't have a problem bringing Kiter in and play him alongside Henderson yeah. and do that. And I'd, that, you know, I'd, I'd say that sounds. Sure, in pre-season then we did Sturridge and Kiter had a, a, yeah, good, really good a good link up and Shakiri and Sturridge. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. The, 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 the other angle is that. I, I, I know it goes against the PSG game, but I think Firmino's a bit useless as a sub sometimes. You know, I don't. It's sort of one of those that you bring him on if you if you're comfortable in a game, but if you bring him on to chase, I think he he, he changes the game into something that maybe you don't need to ch- if you're chasing it. Uh, Shaqiri's obviously a very good sub, or or any of those those wide players, but I, I think uh, you know as much as Origi did well, he was only on the pitch for six minutes, and you know, it's it's it's. 
it's a bit different to, to being asked to play a, a Premier League game from the start. A place like Burnley, where you know I know they're not doing particularly well, but they're a very defensively sound and a, a team with a, a lot of nous about them. I don't. I think it's a. I think it's too big a risk at this stage of the season for Liverpool to start going. He started Solanke there last year. At Burnley, yeah. Did he? Yeah, yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why it's a New Year's Day, wasn't it? New Year's Day, so it was at the end of that that, that slog. Yeah. But this now feels not dissimilar. It feels like the p- part of the slog, if you know what yeah. I mean. I think he might, because I think he might have the arguments of yeah, they're going to make us work really, really hard. We know that that's what they yeah. do. We know that that's what happens. So therefore, I'll put lads on who can be workhorses for me for the game, and then if I need to change it on sixty, I can change it on yeah. sixty. But yeah, my my flip side would probably He's be got, the chances are that, that game's going to be one goal well, deficit at some point within twenty minutes to go, and then you might have a Rigi and Sturridge to come off the bench or a Rigi and Shakiri. But like but on this though, Adam, I think this is back to the the the, the tight up that he's got to walk all the time, which is which is the pace he's got to go at. You know, where I'll keep saying it, we'll play fourteen, one eleven, draw three, and we're not top. You know, there's no gap, there's no gulf. There's there is the idea that every single game we've got to, you know, we've we've got to keep this pace. We've got to match what's going on elsewhere, and that's whether it's a Merseyside derby, whether it's whether it's Burnley away. And I think that's what does mean is, you know, I think he has been, and I understand why, and I understand why it irritates some people. But he's been small c conservative in selections at times. But the reason why is because he needs to go with what he knows, because what he also knows is he's got to win. Yeah. I- what will be interesting, I think, in his Burnley team selection is that, as you say, the tightrope you've got to walk. Burnley aren't great this season. They're not good. They're not the Burnley of last season. They're not the team that that were sort of properly grinding out really defensively solid displays. That they don't look like that. So will Klopp treat them like that team of last season? Because if he will, I think Milner comes back in. Because that's the sort of game that he likes Milner for, the ones where you've got to grind it and dog it and, and really be, you know, the sort of horrible games. He really trusts Milner in them. Um, I think going there, I, I actually really like your team because I think that goes there with the sort of, you're not playing very well at the moment, so we're going to score loads past you with these strikers and, and really, you know, exciting players that we've got. Um, and so... But it's just a constant tightrope, and and the really, I, I was really interested listening to the post match show because people were talking about the, about, and you you are right. Looking back on the match retrospectively, it is the manager's three points because the you know the subs that he makes gets the win, so you can't argue with that. Watching the game, I said at the time that I thought the subs had weakened us because I thought we really lost our shape. I didn't like the subs at yep. all. I, I, you know, in in the moment. I thought we lost our shape completely because of them and no one really knew what they were doing. Um so but that but that is the the, the constant tightrope of management, isn't it? You know, if if he makes those subs and we concede, we're sitting here today saying, Why has the manager done that? Because we've totally lost our shape. As it happens, he makes the subs and one of them scores the, the winning goal, and so we're able to sit here and go, let's build him a statue. Uh, that that's management, isn't it? That's the, 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 the you fortunes. You can't argue with a striker being brought on and having two chances in the six-yard box in mm. six minutes. That that that's why you bring us a, a, an out-and-out striker on, isn't it? So you can't um, you can't say anything other than even if you even if you'd missed the second one somehow, you'd still have said it was the right sub to make because mm. the striker ends up in that position. I, I'd be interested to see how Origi builds on this now because I thought when he brings him on against Belgrade and I thought throughout the whole of the preseason. He just looked a little bit lost. Yeah. He just didn't look as if he fitted in. He, and, and I'd imagine as a player and as a striker with, with low confidence, having gone out and alone and not done well, not been anywhere near the pitch, not a good pre-season at all, he doesn't score. Does he? No, he doesn't score. No. Um, 
you know, confidence will be low and he won't feel that belonging as being part of what's going on at the club at the moment. And, you know, he's got a massive goal that, you know, you look back on, on previous title winners and, and you, you, you remember sort of big moments, I think, in the Makeda one that year, uh, in 08-09 for United. Just a, someone like that that's sort of become a, like a hero because of that. And Batshuayi as well for Chelsea. Exactly. Yeah. At the end of last, at the end of two seasons ago. So, you know, that that could maybe happen for Origi. And look, that fifteen sixteen, he was he looked really good. And and it's you know it's these fine margins that we talk we're talking about here in football with the with the Funes Mori tackle that you know he could have been he could have gone on and won a a UEFA Cup with Liverpool and and been the hero, but he wasn't. And you know I'd be interested just to see how he builds in this now with a little bit of confidence and feeling that belonging within the squad. Um, spoke spoke to him afterwards, and yes, I said what did Klopp. So you think when you come on, I said, did you say get a goal? He said, well, basically. He said, but no, what he said to me, he said, play like you train. That's what he said. He said, play like you train. So, I mean, Klopp makes a big deal about this all the time, doesn't he? And yeah. you can say whether it's lip service or what. And I know some people are sceptical about it. He says, oh, you won't believe how good Moreno is in training and Nathaniel Klein and Solanke and all that. And people go, oh, shut up. You know, he's yeah. the rubbish. Sell them all in January because they're not, they're not good enough. They're, they're championship players, whatever. But that's, that's Klopp makes a big deal about it. And, I I I'm pretty sure, and I've spoken to a couple of players, but I'm pretty sure Liverpool have had more intense training sessions than Premier League matches this season. I I reckon training at Melwood is absolutely off the scale, and if Origi's holding his own in that, there's a reason he's back in the squad. There's a reason he was loaned out at the start of last season instead of, and and he they put the faith in Solanke. There's a reason he's back now in the squad ahead of Solanke, who's available in fifth, and. And they've loaned out Harry Wilson and they've loaned out Ben Woodburn and these players. So I hope from his sake, I don't think I don't think he'll have a long term future at Liverpool. I don't think he'll be here for ten five years, ten years. But I hope for his career's sake, I think I think the penny might have dropped with him that, you know what? I wanna be I wanna be this kind of player. I don't wanna be that kind of player that goes to Wolfsburg and scores six in a rubbish team. Um but it's just a nice moment. I think I just think it's, I, I think Regardless of anything, it's just a nice moment for someone who probably never ever thought he'd play at Anfield again. Never mind score a winner in the derby. I think I think it's 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 just something to enjoy. Is there a Neil? You're saying you get from speaking to players, you're getting the impression they've done more intense training sessions at Melwood than play Premier League games. Is there a real thing here where they're still being conditioned for the second half of the season as much yeah. as as much as they're working now? Well, I'll just clarify. I mean, when I say intense, I mean competition. I yeah, mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I yeah, mean I you know, I don't, I don't necessarily mean the work's different or whatever. I just mean the levels and the sort of the idea that oh, right, okay, you know, Andy Robertson sitting there thinking, God, he's, you know, I'm keeping him out the team here. Whatever you think, Marino, yeah. and I, 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 I don't, I don't think a great deal of him, but I'm guessing. I'm guessing he, he's putting a lot of pressure on Nathaniel Klein. Like, you know, was England's right, right back? He's he yeah. played under 23s football this season. You know, Dominic Solanke, you know, World Cup winner with England um, at underage level. You know, scoring goals internationally can't get it, can't get in the squad. You think there must be there must be a real real good level of competition to keep these players on the toes. It can only be a good thing, and potentially yeah, in the second half of the season you might. You might see these players because think about Liverpool now. Think who's Liverpool's worst centre midfielder or centre midfield option? Adam Lallana. Yeah. <laughs> well, Adam Lallana is Liverpool's worst midfielder. Well, that's not a bad situation to be in when two and a half years ago he was probably second best 
So I think that that shows the evolution of the squad and the evolution of of competition for places. And when you've got six, you're, it's not just that there's three. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's six. It's, it's not the worst it's, of, of three three good ones. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we're, you know, before the game, we were talking about who would start, and you've got a fifty million pound uh, midfielder here there who. When we were talking in the preview, we, you know, yeah. no one was mentioning that, getting a yeah. look in, um, and and that's that's again, it goes back to that thing where um, I've I can I've spent my life growing up supporting Liverpool and always thinking, you know, we've got a decent first team, but we don't have the players on the bench to change the game, and it feels like we we really do now. We do indeed. Um, Manchester City won at the weekend. Uh, Tottenham lost. Uh, Manchester City won at the weekend is the most said sentence in football. Tottenham lost uh, to Arsenal. Uh, Chelsea got themselves a tidy three points. Um, Adam, it's firstly Arsenal look very good, and I think we can now all be grown ups about this and say that Arsenal may well be handy and may well be a genuine sort of competition for top four. For us, though, the focus is and will remain uh, Manchester City and what they're doing at the top of the Premier League. Uh, Bournemouth had a bit of a go at them. But we still find ourselves behind them uh, at this stage of the season, having got the results that we've got. It's a kick in the teeth, but then we knew that the mountain was going to be this steep. Yeah, I think covering the Arsenal thing first. I, again, I'll, I'll hold my hands up and say start of the season. I, I didn't think they'd be. I think they. I thought they would be all right, but I thought they they might get top four if they were okay. But that was basically that was based on the fact that I didn't think Emery would settle as quickly as he as he has. It it. it I was thinking yesterday was while I was watching them um, against Tottenham that it it reminds me a little bit of when Klopp came in of a team with decent players in who'd lost a bit of confidence and lost the knowledge of how they're supposed to play, and he's sort of come in and and given them that confidence back and and they look like a a, a genuinely threatening and exciting team. Whether they can last the distance of the whole season with that, I don't really know, um, but I, I do think that you know they're going to probably be top four I, I if you ask me between say them and um and uh tottenham i think i'd say them because tottenham just look knackered and they don't look like they're going to be able to make a change anytime soon and they keep grinding out the results because that's what they do but apart from like one season they also often just drop you know they, they're not quite good enough to actually do it you know threaten anything and this looks like a season when top four you're going to have to get you know 80 points to be top four let alone anything else um and for for City, look, this is what we all expected from City this season. The, the question wasn't really whether City would be able to do it. It was whether anybody would be able to keep up with them. And and I still have that thing in, in the back of my head where they must be getting absolutely furious with us. And that quote from Guardiola recently about he doesn't have time to read or whatever it is because uh, because of Liverpool... I think that tells you that they are getting pissed off with us. They are fuming that they keep coming. They, they, they are grinding out these brilliant wins and they look round and we've won again and we've won again and we've won again and they can't pull away from us yet. That's not to say they won't be able to, but they can't yet. And and we're in a situation where one loss for City or one draw for City and all of a sudden we're on the same point as them if we can get a win. And 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 after the way they've been playing and the form they've had, that must be like, oh, for you know that must be really why must really really wind you up as players that you 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 can't get away from these people. And I think we saw last season when the when the sort of serious end of the Champions League came in, City did start to you know drop a couple of points in the league. I mean they still got hundreds and didn't drop that many, but they still did. <laughs> you know towards the end of the season they still did look like they were they were they, they lost to United and they lost to us. They, you know they did lose a few matches towards the end of the season. Now okay the title you know had already been won by then, but if we can keep pace with them, if we can keep in touch with them through Christmas, if we're still two three points behind them come March. Then it really could be a thing where they go. Well, how are we going to keep doing this, especially if they go far in the Champions League? 
Yeah. Um, you didn't even mention um, Manchester United there, did you? Not bothering any more mates around no, us. Not, well, <laughs> just, Southampton have just had to sack their manager because he couldn't get a win over them. It's, it's, it's one of the things that you've got to do. How, how incredible. I mean, Adam's spot on. You know, if you'd have said that you'd go 14 games in, Man City have got. 36 points? 38. Uh, 38 We've points. got 36. 14 games, Man City got 38 points. You'd say, well, the league's over then, isn't it? And then, But it isn't. It's not over because Liverpool have, have, have been relentless. And, you know, you think of you think of all the teams that have played really well in the Premier League and started like this, and Newcastle, the, the, the Keegan team, and they were, what, nine points clear. I think United had a nine-point lead and United sailed off into Sunset. No team has ever played this well and had had to fight for the league title you know and and the one that did Newcastle couldn't couldn't sustain it because when when it all yeah. when it all the bottom fell out of it they didn't have it and I, I still I genuinely do think that City you'd have to say are massive favourites to win the league still yeah. but I genuinely genuinely think that there will be a time when Liverpool are top of the league in at some point over the next month maybe even on Wednesday night because I think City have got Watford away on Tuesday night it's if it was the other way around this week, if City were going to Burnley and Liverpool were going to Watford, we we would all be sitting here going, "Oh God, Liverpool are probably going to drop two points there, aren't they?" And City are going to pull away. So why why not the other way around? And you know, they were they were drawing at half time on on Saturday against Bournemouth, and okay, it's only half time, but they can be got out. You can score goals against them as much as as much as you can against Liverpool. They they've got players who are in form, but then. Okay, if Liverpool have players in form, everyone worries they're going to get injured. With City, no one ever, no one ever thinks that. They just think Sterling's in form; he'll be in form until the end of the season. When Salah's in form, it's like oh, he'll have a dip in a bit. The same things happen, even if even to very good players. So City's City's excellent players can still have the same jitters and can have the same ups and downs as Liverpool's can, and potentially they can have it even worse because they're not used to it and they don't they don't know how to deal with those kinds of things. When we were laughing our heads off about Everton, rightly, Craig, uh, and responding to that fantastic late winner, um, it was yesterday was very much a day for enjoying it, for going absolutely bananas, for, for having the greatest night out of your life, all the above. Can, can we tell them that you wanted to do the free show after your night out? Yeah, I went to it at half eleven last night. <laughs> yeah, you, you rang Lizzie, you rang Lizzie last night at half eleven. I after... went, I've got some lads and I could do a belter here. <laughs> can you imagine? For the brand, I'm not sure it'd be great. For listening purposes, for us, or maybe just a secret show for us to keep. Unbelievable. Well, yeah, uh, it's, it'd have been graphic. <laughs> I'd, like to have, I'd like to have heard that conversation with Lizzie by the way as well yeah, how'd that one go uh, no slurred yes. and incoherent apparently yeah. uh, no and I was like you sure <laughs> um, that, that was what yesterday was about but there's part of me that me today's about thinking my god as much as Everton fans have lashed a flare on the pitch to celebrate a nil-nil Manchester City supporters and players and manager might have had a metaphorical flare about to lash on the pitch and then it gets taken away from them and that, they must be thinking good god 100% and I was thinking that um, in that last ten minutes of the game, all I kept thinking was, you know what, this this Christmas period is going to be graph now because, you know, dropping more points, City it's further ahead, and it's just that it's just that it changes your mindset a little bit, and I think that that goal could be huge in this season, not just you know for for our confidence and 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 for the the, the Christmas period coming up, but also what you just said there, our rivals and our rivals looking at us and going, ah, you know. 
it's what everyone's been saying. Liverpool aren't playing that well and they aren't playing as well as last season, but we've now got 10 points more than we did um, this time last season. And that's that's an incredible leap. Um, and look, City are going to drop points at some stage, whether it's um, whether it's against someone else in the league or whether it's against us at the Etihad um, at the start of January. But imagine if we are, imagine if, it's, if it is two points difference and we go to the Etihad and, and we beat them. That's, that changes the whole landscape of the season. You're selling me another greatest day of my life. <laughs> well, you, I'm telling you, your second best day of your life. Yeah. Um, and 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 it's and it's just those it's those little margins, those fine margins that we've been talking about throughout the show. Um, but yeah, I just I can't imagine what what this Christmas period would have been like if we'd have dropped two points against Everton. And that's what that's what Klopp running on the pitch was about. By the way, it wasn't just the derby. It wasn't just relief. the fact it's come at the end of the match. It was you know, and it, but it wasn't just relief. It was the it was the we're still in this. That's yeah. what it was. It was it, it yeah. was. You know, it was because Guardiola, you know, while City fans all moan about Klopp getting banned for seven years or whatever it is, Guardiola did the same thing, didn't he, when when they beat, who was it, in the Bournemouth. last minute, Bournemouth, he, he ran onto the pitch because it was that, it was the, you know, we're winning the league this year, you know, running, that that release. And that's what the Klopp thing was for me, I think. It was wrapped up in all of that kind of, the, the landscape has shifted there with one stupid decision from a goalkeeper. The landscape has shifted and we're now getting the momentum to go. And I think as well, like people forget, City won the the league at a canter last season. But around this time of the year, they were having to score quite a few late goals, weren't they? Because mm-hmm. you watch the City documentary and Sterling digs them out twice in, mm-hmm. in injury time, so they were doing this as well. Indeed, it's been the Anfield Wrap in association with the Reds Bet Partner and with us for the entirety of 2018. I've had Craig Hannon, I've had Neil Jones, I've had Adam Smith uh, the day after the greatest day of our lives uh, to take it easy uh, and chew the fat about a fantastic Liverpool Merseyside derby victory. Thing is, you've got to say it, you know, Everton, you've got to hand it to them. Sports Social Podcast Network.